What's cracking, kids? Welcome to the Fun But Diplomacy podcast. I'm laying on my side because my neck is killing me after tonight's show. Uh, it's Thursday night to go see the Orwells, and I rocked my neck into this state of pain uh, that's just now settling in, and I'm sure tomorrow morning it's gonna suck. But it was an awesome show. They always put on a good show. It's always a good time. Uh, trying to sit up now. <clears throat> and I also discovered uh, one of their opening bands, Black Pistol Fire from Austin, Texas. Also really rocking. I called them uh, Good Black Keys because as much as I think Dan Auerbach is a very good musician, I don't really care for the Black Keys. But this band was... Maybe we can call them, like, early Black Keys, when it was still pretty raw. But anyway, um, let's get these plugs out of the way, as always, and we can jump into this week's episode. Um, as always, you can support Fun Boat Diplomacy by going on my Amazon portal link, located on funboatdiplomacy.com, on the right-hand side of any of the pages. You'll find the Amazon portal link that takes you to Amazon. It looks like any other Amazon page, but it's linked to my account, and for all your purchases, Amazon sends me a small cut, and you don't have to pay anything extra, and you'll be helping out the show. Uh, on top of that, as always, um, you can come visit me at the Pacific Tradewinds Hostel here in San Francisco, and you can get a $3 discount using the discount code on sanfranciscohostel.com. The discount code is Friend 3 that's W-E-I-M-I-N-S-F-R-I-E-N-D-3. Get that discount, come visit San Francisco, the weather is turning great. Come here before, uh, allegedly it gets really foggy and chilly in the, in the summer. Uh, I've seen a bit of a preview of it, but, um, we'll see, we'll see, it's, it's still, it's still end of May, so we'll see what happens in June. Uh, and something new, actually, I just now finished setting up my Patreon page. Patreon is a crowdfunding, uh, platform for creatives, um, so I thought I would give it a shot. I think what happens is... You pledge, like, a dollar or so a month. So that's, like, a dollar for four episodes. It's, like, a quarter episode. I think that's... I think that's worth it, right? Don't you guys think it's worth it? If you think, if you think it's worth it, you can go on. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash funboatdiplomat or go on my website, funboatdiplomacy.com, and on the right-hand side, underneath the Amazon link, is another box, new box, that um, takes you to my Patreon page, and you can be a supporter, and that would be great. It doesn't cost you a lot, and I think after setting up your support, it just automatically sends me the cash. Okay, anyway... Um, a lot of ways to support the podcast and the website, um, but we're going to jump into this week's episode now with June Saravia.
everyone to a new episode of the Funboat Diplomacy Podcast. I'm here today with June Saravia from Peru. Welcome. Hello. Uh, glad to be here. It's good to have you here. Do you want to exp- not explain. <laughs> introduce yourself really quickly to the podcast audience? Okay, well, uh, my name is June Saravia. I'm a software developer from Peru. I work remotely for at least... Uh, I've been working remotely for at least a couple of months. Uh, no, that's from February. That's more than a couple of months. And I've been doing software. My first program actually was when I was 12. And I worked professionally for about seven years. But it was mostly office work. So right now I'm I'm trying new things. I'm actually a junior developer right now. I left a senior position. So I just wanted to reinvent myself. Right now, and I was here for Google I/O this week. But do you work for Google? No, okay. I work for a different company. Okay. It's just that I love Google products in general. Mm-hmm. I've I use Android. I use Gmail ever since two thousand four or five, if I can recall correctly. I was actually studying a, a student at a high school when Gmail came out, and everyone thought it was a funny joke for April Fools. And no, it was true. It what? was a gigabyte uh, inbox for yourself down when Hotmail only had two megabytes of email. And what is the company that you work for? Uh, I work for a company called Smarter Agent, which is a company that makes apps for um, real estate companies. Mm-hmm. So it's like... You can search uh, properties or rentals around your area, that kind of thing. Hmm. There's, a, there's, there's one I remember. I was hanging out at Dolores Park one day, mm-hmm. and all these people were, uh, were marketing for this app called Rumi. It's oh. for, like, for, for San Francisco, and you, you go on and you say, uh, you put in your, your, your parameters, and mm-hmm. then it'll search for you... Um, uh, a roomie uh, that you rent. You want. Yeah, it's like it matches you with roommates and uh, oh. and also uh, gets you good price points that you that you are. Yeah, yeah. With so, so it has a, to come in between all your parameters, mm-hmm, and then exactly you'll find one. Yeah. Definitely one. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So I guess there's a lot of these these yeah these, uh, yeah apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is it that you like so much about Google? Uh I don't know, their story, their simpleness, their Do you want to explain quirkiness. their story just a little bit? Because maybe people at home, they use Google every day, they use Gmail every day, but they don't make, they don't, don't, don't know the story. Okay, so, uh, I like knowing things and drink, but the, that's not the point. The thing is, uh, the mission of Google is to organize the world's information and make it shareable with everyone, or make it available to everyone. And I like knowing things, so as they make a lot of information available, I mean, they they did this thing with books to start scanning them automatically, and I found those kind of projects really cool. That and also their moonshots, you know, they have this Google Glass, which is having a computer on your head uh, to make technology actually go away from your just stop staring at the phone, just having it on your head. Although it was counterintuitive to have it in front of everyone. Also, uh, because they've been ahead of the, ahead of the curve in the early two thousands. Uh, I mean, 
I don't know if you remember, but there was Alta Vista, all those older uh, search engines, and they were all like cluttered, a lot of stuff going on, and it was more like a directory rather than a search engine. And then it comes Google, and it's just one box with two buttons, and that's it. That's all you need to search the internet. And not a lot of other things, I mean, their products were really easy to use, and because I really liked programming ever since I was a kid, uh, there were some quirky things inside it that appealed to the geeking one. So that's how it, like, I became to like Google. When was it that they, they the, the search engine, and that's the first thing that they had, became, I think it was the 90s? Yeah, it yeah. was around 1998, 97. And then in the 2000s is when it really took off. Yeah. And then from there we got maps. Mm -hmm. and then they brought the cars. team that makes maps. <laughs> yeah. They started with that, then made docs, uh, Google Docs, Google Maps, uh, Google News, they had... What was this thing? They had a Google Notebook, actually. What that I mean? that I really uh, like use. A oh, yeah, that's right. Google Notebook, Notebook Computer. Yeah. Right? yeah, I've seen people use those. They're very simple. And, yeah. Uh, but, but what's happened? Uh, they rebranded it, I guess. I mean, the thing is that Google keeps throwing away products and publishing them. And if they don't work, they just simply cut them off. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a long time, up until four or five years ago, Gmail was still in beta. So, uh, I like the way that they always kept all those products in beta, because it's like it's never finished, and that's true for many software, mm -hmm. software applications. Mm -hmm. And how did you get into uh, working with uh, this this uh, event? Oh, so I was already I finished studying around two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And I got my first job back in Peru. So I, you know, at that time back in Peru, we didn't have smartphones or or iPhones, actually. Uh, and then I discovered that Google had their own, uh, their own operating system for mobile, which was Android. And then that the G1 was already uh, published a year ago, and then I got myself one which actually didn't work that well in Peru because, you know, the... How do you call this in English? Uh, the the, 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 the bandwidth like for... Infrastructure. Yeah, the basically. infrastructure wasn't the same, so mm -hmm. it wouldn't use 3G, whereas in Peru it only used 2G. Mm -hmm. It was kind of slow. Yeah. But uh, eventually I got another Android phone and then I got involved with Android development. And then I was searching more inside Google and then I came came out uh, came across this event which is called Google IO that they have been holding well this is the 10 year anniversary and they've been holding that between May and June every every single year and then I decided to come on 2010 but I got scared of you know of uh, immigration, so I didn't apply for the visa, for the tourist visa, so I applied the next year and they actually gave me the visa and I have been coming ever since, 2000, well, I skipped 2012, but all the rest of the years I've been coming for Google I.O. And what's involved in this uh, event? Is it one of Google's bigger events? Yeah, it's actually the biggest event in yeah. the year for developers, so it's where they announce their biggest products of the year, what is coming, and they make a review of 
what you're actually gonna need for the rest of the year if you work with Google products and you actually work with them uh, you have all the engineers that are involved with their uh, with their development so they can tell you how to do things if you want to use them which is really nice because you don't always get the opportunity to talk to people that make the products that you use and what are the products that they they, they brought out this year mm. anything special there are two new messaging apps that are called uh, Allo and Duo. Allo is like uh, using a chat, but you know Google Now, which is an automated assistant, well, they also released something called Google Assistant. It's only their naming scheme that is really, really wrong. It's just not that innovative of the, as their products. So they built in Google Assistant inside a conversation. So let's say we are uh, talking about going out for dinner and I mentioned, okay, let's go for Italian. And then the Google Assistant will suggest you to, oh, do you want me to search for Italian places around? Do you want me to reserve a seat for two, for three people? And it will also tell you, for example, you send me a picture, it will give you an autom automated response that you can choose. I mean. If you send a picture of a dog, oh, that's a cute dog, or it even gets the the race of the dog. So it's like... Image recognition. Yeah, it does a lot of image recognition. It's a lot of artificial intelligence built in your conversation. So it's like you always have a third party going uh, listening to your conversation, which may sound kind of scary, but they say they are not saving all your conversations. They're just analyzing it, sure analyzing them in real time. Yeah, I don't know that... That's the that's the price to pay if you want to use these kind of things, you know. Mm -hmm. And also Duo is another app which is more like FaceTime. But the thing is that it's really fast and the video doesn't drop out. And also when you are calling someone, the other, the person receiving the call will see your camera before they answer the call. So they can know what is happening before <laughs> before that's uh, interesting yeah so they can decide if they take the call or not i mean maybe it's your birthday and we only show you the cake and then we say surprise this these kind of things uh -huh. it it's what for was video their, calling what was their uh, reasoning behind doing this so that you can see that what's on the other side first it, i mean there's some uh there's some conversations that actually start uh, you see someone else from far, uh, from far away, and you see what they are doing. I mean, they are carrying something, or they are going to show you something, and because you're uh, you're in person, you know that you want to take this uh, this kind of conversation. But if you are on a video call, and if it's only ringing and only their static uh, face appears, well, if you're if you're busy, you're gonna turn it down, but. If it turns out that what you're seeing is important, let's say, I don't know, a friend of yours got engaged and is showing you the ring while ringing you, mm -hmm. uh, well, that may be a call that you want to take. So there is no behind everything. this. Yeah. Let me do this. Yes, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's very interesting. I've never thought about it like that. And I never even really thought about the fact that Google doesn't have its own FaceTime. There's, like, there's Skype, yep. there's FaceTime, and Google never factored into this uh, this area. Mm -hmm. well, that's very interesting. Um, so what happens now with Skype? Because Skype doesn't really provide much different 
like something different as as opposed to FaceTime and now Google has mm-hmm. this new thing. What? Well, I don't really know. I'm I'm most I, I, that's why I'm I'm telling you I'm mostly focused on what's happening with Google and okay. with their products. But Skype, uh, I use it sometimes when someone else asks me my Skype username and they want to have a call, but I don't regularly use it. Yeah, I, I mean. I think for business it might be the default. Yeah, some some people or use it for, for business. For example, for interviews and yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. I haven't used Skype in a, in a long, long time. Yeah, I use either. FaceTime now, um, and I don't. I don't really call a lot. <laughs> is the thing. Yeah. So, um, and hmm, with with that, how many days is this conference? Well, this year it was three days, but three. usually it's two, only two. Mm-hmm. So the first day is, uh, well, both days are sessions. In this case, all three days were sessions. It starts with a keynote where they make the biggest announcements. And there's always an after hours. And usually there's a lot of parties going on around the event from different vendors. Let's say it's now a tradition that uh, that Intel has a party before starting Google I.O., and then some other companies, I mean, this year was even a Slack uh, party, then an Uber party. Uh, there are a lot of companies throwing parties around the, the event just for, both for fun and also for trying to recruit people yeah. to their companies. Yeah, this might sound really uh, techy for people who don't live in San Francisco. Yeah. But this is, for me, business that, That's the regular. Yeah, that's business <laughs> you'll just You'll just ride by... I'll, I'll be biking around and I'll mm-hmm. see that there's a convention for Microsoft or mm-hmm. for this and that and then Uber everywhere yeah. Lyft, people with Lyft uh, mm-hmm. coupons and you said Slack and everybody is just is super techie I don't know how you must love it because that's what you, yeah. you do yeah so. that's what I do so yeah but there's and this thing in San Francisco now it's like the difference between uh, people who have lived here before and movements from before, mm-hmm. mentalities from before, and then suddenly, uh, all this all this tech, but it really is incredible. If you've mm-hmm. gone to Silicon Valley, yeah, and so it's of... it's like uh, on the train you'll see people with virtual reality headsets. Mm-hmm. They're doing just doing and, doing uh, their thing. And then yeah. there's there's the Google cars, Google bicycles, Apple bicycles, Facebook mm. bicycles, and that's it's kind of this futuristic <laughs> thing. I don't know. I've never, I haven't gone inside Google headquarters. What is you've you've been in, right? Yeah, yeah I've, I've been there. How is the setup? It's like a like? university campus, actually. Mm-hmm. So there are different buildings, and you can go from one to another. Uh, most recently, I had a, I had lunch with a friend from there that actually got, uh, got hired like a month and a half ago, and he has told me that well, you know, you can do practically anything at Google headquarters. You could practically. Uh, they don't let you sleep there, but that's the only thing that is left for you to be living inside the, the Googleplex. Mm-hmm. So they have laundry, they have uh, daycare, the, they can take care of your bike, of you your car, your hair, yeah. <laughs> you cut your hair, yeah, there's hairdressers everywhere, mm-hmm. there are a lot of uh, restaurants also, you can pick whatever you want to eat every day. And just take it. Yeah, you just and take you just take it, you just take it. That's so strange. It is. I didn't get to go inside, but outside already. I could sort of tell. Um, yeah. It's just this little paradise sort of workplace. Um, yeah, well, that's that's how it is uh, around, all around Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Many companies Facebook do that. Facebook is like that mm-hmm. as well. 
they'll shuttle you to wherever yes. you need to go. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's the the brain power of the Bay Area. Yeah. Can't, it's hard for me to if you were to if you were to gauge like numerically like, qua- uh, qua- quantitatively the brain power of the world <laughs> with like bar graphs on every single part of the world. Like and Silicon then, Valley would be, yeah, would be f- it will be far high. and a, by far the highest bar. Can you imagine somewhere else that has better, like a higher, higher brain power? I don't well, know. Well, uh, I know there are some hubs around the world that are really competitive on, you know, not only technology but entrepreneurship in general. I know that Israel has some places yes. where it is really also the brain power is really high. Uh, inside China, also, you can see that. People may call them ripoffs, but it, they are actually doing the same thing that the Western world is doing, but on their own way. And because they have the Great Wall of China, not the one that is the yeah. touristic attraction, but the one that is the Internet wall, uh, doing things inside there. It's like they uh, they can do it with with so many restrictions that they can even match the brain power that comes from here. So that's and also there are more of them so yeah yeah that's the thing yeah i don't know how you would maybe percentage wise or whatever for the bay area but yeah. it's very high but you have in the bay area you have some of the greatest universities in the world yeah you have that Berkeley, too stanford uh, and then you have all of these companies mm-hmm. google facebook apple tesla uh, and all the programmers want to come here yep yep that's true uh, but in china you know those those people are resourceful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I always say that no matter how good you think you are at what you do, there's yeah, a Chinese there's person who's better person than you because there's so many of them. Odds and, are they're just mm-hmm. gonna be better at you at something. And for cheaper as well. So yeah. I saw this thing on Vice. It was it was uh, it was very short, but it was a guy who his whole thing, all he did was make uh, computers to mine bitcoins. Oh yeah. And so he has a floor of this mm-hmm. flat. And just it's all computers. It's a far away. I don't yeah. even know how it works, really. I don't understand Bitcoin. Maybe you do. Well, uh, you know, Bitcoin works kind of like BitTorrent. I don't know the specifics as well. So what I can tell you is, you can give processing power in exchange of uh, of Bitcoin. So if you have more than one mining uh, mining computer, the thing is, if I recall correctly. What you have to do is with each uh, with each computer you have to look for uh, it's not an algorithm but some kind of code that if you have more computers looking for it it's like every time you find a new one it will give you more Bitcoin so if you have more computers doing that you have more chances to get more Bitcoin and that's what some people actually uh, go for they just go looking around for Bitcoin by mining it I mean those are those computers are computers are called miners, so they you just put in bigger range of computers and you just start mining. It will give you like uh, fractions, a fraction, yeah, a really small fraction of a bitcoin an hour, but it, it's something and it adds up. So every bitcoin I think is like two hundred dollars if I'm not mistaken, or even more, I guess. That's that's a wild world we live in. Yeah, <laughs> right now, yes. That's mm-hmm. really something. That, be in science fiction films back in the day and now it's you use computers to mine wealth yeah <laughs> yeah that's, so strange. Th- that's literally what it's happening here yeah i usually don't have 
tech people on. And no. I think you're the first tech person I've oh, had on. Okay. Here. I don't know. It's, you, you don't know what to ask? Yeah, don't, yeah, don't worry. No, no, it's I'm not that I don't know what to ask. Too. It's because there's so many here. Oh. Every, every time you meet someone, like, there's the chances of when you meet someone in San Francisco <laughs> and you're like, hey, what do you do? Software engineer. <laughs> My brain just goes, how do I get out of this? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not in that, I'm not in that realm. But oh. it's, it's also this, uh, it's so interesting because it, it's a mode of thinking that uh, is going to really pave the way for the future, yeah. this techno technological route, and it's, I guess it's kind of sad that I'm not in it, but, I don't know, it's, it is what well, it is. it's never late to get it started, I mean, uh... But I have this weird aversion to it, because oh. I, was in a, I was in a master's program, actually, and the reason uh -huh. that I dropped out was because we started programming. Oh! I, I stared at the, I guess it's <laughs> the called computer. a terminal, like whatever, because uh -huh. I stared at it, and I was like... What? So I stared for like three hours and I typed some things and it was like, error. Okay, if this is any part of what I have to do, I don't want any part of this. So I dropped mm. out of the whole program. Wow. Because I really dislike them. So you despise this. it really? Yeah, it's this, it's this like weird, it's like my soul that wants to reject talking <laughs> to a computer. It's really weird. I don't know. But what does interest me um, in the area of computers is UI, UX. Okay, yeah. For, that, for the that's... people at home who don't know that. I didn't know that until really coming here, but it's user interface, user experience. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me because that has to do with human behavior. Yeah, with psychology. With, yeah, that's, yeah, that's so interesting. Because, you, I mean, it's, it's the intuitiveness of something like uh, mm -hmm. a touchscreen on an iPhone or an Android phone, uh, that's so important. And someone had to be like, okay, what is a person going to do when they... Uh -huh. you know, and, and you have to do that with apps, as, yeah. you, as you know. Yeah, that that's actually... Uh, they call it design thinking. Mm -hmm. Also, you have to uh, take care into account what the user does, how the how they do it, why they do it. Mm -hmm. It's a really it's the part of the programming side that we don't really know because you know we have a structured brains. Uh, well, we don't have a structured brains, but the thing is we think structurally. But the people that do UX and UI is more like the more creative people, mm -hmm. the the ones that actually. Uh, get people. I mean, sometimes I'm just kind of awkward inside <laughs> of the, when having a conversation, but uh, I had to overcome that some way. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's the, because I I actually did work for a startup when I mm -hmm. first came here, and just for a month, and I learned about all the aspects of creating an app, and uh, all the people who have to be. So there's like front end, back end, yeah. UI, UX, and. Uh, and uh, advisors and yeah, there's and a that. product manager. There's a, if they use a Scrum, the Scrum master. The what is that? I don't actually owner. know what that is. So a Scrum is a way of working. So you organize your work in chunks mm -hmm. that they are called sprints, mm -hmm. and each sprint, um, you actually it's like actually doing the product all over again. So every time you do a sprint, which is literally a sprint, you run and you do a lot of things like. Uh, it's like you have a mini product and then the next sprint you that mini product it's your entrance point and then what you get at the end it's a bigger product and you go you go you keep doing that up until you think that you are able to ship your product and then once you ship you keep doing that to improve to improve it mm -hmm. so uh, I don't know how to explain it better but that that's more or less how it, it takes, works. It takes getting used to because yeah. <laughs> it's a very dynamic way of doing things as mm -hmm. opposed to a lot of traditional work 
uh, yeah. work structures or it's kind of mundane mm-hmm. or whatever but this is just like like you said there's sprints it's kind yeah. of like you're doing things really quickly and mm-hmm. then you see okay where are we okay we either do this or do that go go yeah. go yeah yeah you take it that model is made so you can take decisions quickly and if you don't want something you just drop it out and then start working on something else does this come to does it come from a lean startup uh, kind of, yeah. Kind of. So they are uh, lean startup, agile. It's actually an agile way of working. You may have heard of that. Yeah. I've heard so of that. these are methodologies that let you uh, go really quick with your product and mm-hmm. they get you started. And they really, uh, their their main focus is to know how many, how much effort you put into each thing that you're doing. So, uh, so if you if you see that something is not working, you just leave it out and then you can focus on something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what really kind of blows my mind about people who work in this area, in the Bay Area, that they have a good balance of this kind of high-intensity work and then mm-hmm. they also can somehow get sort of relaxation and relief at the oh. same time. I don't know. I don't know if you do. What, what do you mean? I mean, I mean the people in the Bay Area, they 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 know how to get that balance of mm. okay, I can I can relax at some points, but then my work is actually we're getting a lot of things done and it's oh uh, quite quick and and everything. Yeah, well, uh, thing is, I'm a procrastinator. Uh, we were talking about that <laughs> yeah, this right. before uh, before we started, and. Uh, the way I work is I actually take some time to start doing things. But once I start, uh, I actually finish them kind of quickly. So it's like you said, it's the same balance. But I know there's some people that actually pull 14-hour work days. Uh, I, don't, I don't do that. I used to do that, but um, I got tired of it. I just... Literally tired of it. Yeah, I <laughs> got literally tired of that. And... Then I just started uh, thinking, I mean, well, if you can do this 14 thing, uh, 14 hour thing in last time, it means that you're just wasting six hours uh, because you don't know what you're doing. And yeah, that actually happened. I mean, I started, um, you know, there are some techniques that let you focus for small amounts of time and you're actually doing things. And after you finish them, you feel better. So then you can take some time off for yourself. And yeah, it's some there's some bursts that you can take to start working, but I don't feel like I work more than four or six hours, at, mm-hmm. m- more than that a day. But yeah, I, I feel like I, I at least finish things. I'm a functioning uh, procrastinator, at least. <laughs> so do you get all the stuff done close to the deadline? Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really That's close. Interesting. It's interesting people's work ethic, because when I was in college, I was the opposite of you. Oh. I, what I did, what I did was, I mean, it, the results was the same, mm-hmm. but I did everything. My my schedule was like, I looked at all the because we have syllabuses and you know mm-hmm. what you need to do for the whole semester. So I look at the week, uh, the the coming week. Okay. And I do all the work for the coming week. Uh huh. The week before. Okay. So you. So I was always one week ahead work wise. Oh. And so I would. So as I went in on Monday, mm-hmm. I had all the things prepared already to deliver on Monday. Wow. And then mm-hmm. on Monday, I start on next Monday's work. 
And so by the end of the semester, when the finals rolled around, that is when it finally lined up, and mm-hmm. I actually had, on finals week, nothing to do. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. But the end result is this. You're doing the exact same amount of work. Yeah. You just literally shift the entire thing <laughs> backwards. Yeah. And so that, and, and, and then there's, because I don't like that pressure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people procrastinate because they like that pressure. Yeah. And to, to get things done. But for me, I was like, I, I'm just going to take my time, relax, and get things done on my time. And then on the weekends when people, when people said, hey, do you want to go party? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I finished you, my you work already. <laughs> yeah, so and I also on Friday evening, uh, mm-hmm. well, or in the afternoons, I worked at the front desk of a uh, um, of the language department. Uh-huh. And Friday afternoon, from from one to four, is when everyone leaves yeah. to go home. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting at the desk, and I'm I was paid to just do my homework. <laughs> if I had readings, I had free printing, so I would print that's out really myself, cool. and I could highlight mm-hmm. things. And so it just helped me get everything done. So you know, that's actually called procrastination. So pre, yeah, pre-crastination. pre-crastination. Yes. That's so cool. I've never heard of that. It's a thing. I was uh, one thing I did to battle procrastination was read a lot about procrastination, and I did that when I was working. So I was still procrastinating, trying to solve my procrastination problem, which is <laughs> <laughs> so I should. I don't recommend doing that. I recommend that you read on your free time, please. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Uh, but what I learned was these kind of things, and uh, there's this website called Wait But Why that actually explain. It's the best explanation you can have about procrastination and why the human, uh, why the human race procrastinates. Actually, what is this called? Uh, Wait But Why. Wait But Why. <laughs> yes. Is it for other things or just? That, for- yeah, actually, uh, they had a really nice uh, reading about. Um, about Tesla and why he's doing things. I mean, Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk. I was going to say Tony Stark, but yeah, it's he's, almost he the same is thing. Tony Stark, yeah, yes. he is Tony Stark. He just the next he just, project is he just suit. lacks the the, the suit. <laughs> he's yeah. gonna make it one day. Yeah, that's incredible. The, that I've uh, just uh, a few weeks ago really really got to understand what the hyperloop is. Oh, okay. Because mm. I, I always thought, okay, yeah, he's making something and it's going to get that is fast. <laughs> it's going to get you from LA to San, to San Francisco in 30 minutes. Mm. And uh, and I was like, yeah, cool. Um, but then I read awesome uh, there's thing yeah. about it and it's the technology part. I mean, it's 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 pretty much just it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You you just you you put a roller coaster in a vacuum. That's what it is. Yes. Boom. Because because you can use mag because the mm-hmm. fastest roller coasters mm-hmm. they use magnets like super powerful magnets mm-hmm. to propel the roller coaster up really high really fast and then yes. come down. Um, but if you just do that and it's in a it's in a vacuum mm-hmm. and everything's sealed uh, and de- acceleration deceleration is really easy. Yes. So this is it's so easy. It, actually. it is really cool. Yeah, mm. and it's just you need the funding, you need the time to build it and everything. But what's really interesting to me is that. This, um, now we're pivoting a little bit away from technology and oh, to, to okay. something different. It's, um, it's the politics of this. Because mm. what this is, what's so amazing to me about this is this has nothing to do with the state. It's oh, no. One it's person, only private, yes. One person was like, okay, who can do this the best and cheapest and uh, go? That's yeah. it. Do you, the state has nothing to do with it. Get your fucking hands off of this because we don't need your highways. We don't mm-hmm. need your 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 regulations and things. We don't need I your your uh, I don't know your carbon emissions. That's yeah. That's what he's about. So 
in this website, he actually talks about uh, Elon Musk mm -hmm. and what he's on about. So one of the things that you get to know if you read also his biography is that he wants to change the world. So he literally wants to change the world, and he's doing it on his own way. And he's doing so, it. Yeah, yeah. So, which is crazy, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's also, uh, you know, you live around 90 years. And what can you do in 90 years? And that's why, that's what uh, Elon Musk asked himself. And that's why he's doing, he's been doing all of these things ever since he was a teenager. So he, I think he sold his first uh, company when he was around 20. And then he's been working his way up ever since. And always trying to, uh, to keep his mind in, into what he wants to achieve, which is cut down on carbon emissions, which is by doing, uh, you know, the designs that, or the technology that he uses for Tesla, for the Tesla cars are actually open source. So any other company can actually take those blueprints and, and make, 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 make the, the same cars. cars. Yeah, because they want uh, he wants it not to make money out of Tesla. He wants the world to change because of Tesla, and that's the that's the thing he wants to do with um, with Hyperloop as well. Because uh, people need faster transportation, but not at the cost of fuel. He wants it to be like a better technology, and he. What he thinks is really practical. Uh, I don't have time for this, so I'm gonna just come up with the blueprints and have someone else do the work. And that's what uh, that's best, what he's about. The best, yeah. most efficient, cheapest. Yeah. Yeah. So he just gave out the blue the blueprints, and a lot of people took on the challenge, and they started spawning this uh, this uh, hyperloop prototypes. That I know there's one that is actually working, but it's not working really well. But you know, it'll get there. Like the yeah. concept is so doable. Yeah. So yeah, he's actually uh, also he was involved with Solar City. They have the viewer. Uh, Tesla that? has Solar City is actually a company that helps you put on uh, solar panels on your on your roof. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's he's trying to take care of all the how do you call it all the environment. Energy, so, energy yeah. efficiency. Yeah. Everything that has to do with that, mm -hmm. uh, and also efficiency uh, has to do with going to space as well. Because one of his objectives is trying to colonize. You know, th this planet is going to burst sometime. At least Maybe. for us. Yeah, at least for us. It's gonna stop working for mm -hmm. us if yep. we if we keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. So one of his other ideas is we need to start colonize. Uh, one of two things. Or we solve the problem, what is happening with the world right now, which is not going to happen because of, you know, politics and all that. Or we start colonizing some other places. And in order to colonize other places, you have to get, like, a cheap way to get there. And to get there, that's why he created SpaceX, which is his logic. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about his ideas, and if you read that, uh, all what he's doing is pretty simple. But it takes a lot of steps to get there. That is really amazing that only one person is taking care of all of that. But he's like a superhuman, really. So, but in brain power, this is like I I don't know anyone else that can even compare right now. I really wonder what his routine, what kind of things he does to ground himself. I think there's this, 
There's a guy, he actually lives in San Francisco, this mm-hmm. guy Tim Ferriss, he's, he's always about uh, human optimization, basically, mm-hmm. how, uh, how you can make yourself better and more efficient and yep. things like this, but I think he might have interviewed him before. He's, he's interviewed people like uh, Jeff Bezos, okay. um, of Amazon, he's, mm-hmm. he's interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's oh. interviewed uh, all kinds of the, the person, who, the guy who started PayPal. Who was that? That was Musk himself. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So then, then he, he must have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to look it up. The, the people at home, they can look up the Tim Ferriss. <laughs> what is it called? Tim Ferriss Show? Is that it? I, think, I don't know if that's what it's called, but mm-hmm. it's very good. It's, he, okay. he has whole hour and a half long conversations wow. or more with, with these. Uh, he calls them uh, world-class performers. Mm-hmm. People yeah. who are get really good at it. And one thing I... Yeah, I think he has had Elon Musk on because he's, he talked about him um, doing... At one point, Elon Musk lived in a... So he lived in a very small apartment mm-hmm. and ate only... I think he ate only hot dogs <laughs> for, like, a few months. Mm-hmm. And this ties into um, what this guy, Tim Ferriss, a, a lot of times comes back to, is um, is a... Passage by Seneca, who was a a, a Roman uh-huh. uh, statesman who wrote a bunch of stuff about his time ruling parts of Rome or whatever, mm-hmm. and he said one of one of the exercises you can do in life is to um, clothe yourself in the the barest of clothing, having the simplest shelter, mm-hmm. and eating the cheapest fare, and do that for like a week or two, up to a month, who knows just to practice this, and at the end of it, you ask yourself, is this what I so feared? And I think that's what Elon Musk yeah. asked himself. He said, the basics are so easy to achieve, mm-hmm. and so everything else like, is so astronomically big mm-hmm. that you can achieve, and that's what, that's what he did. Was yeah, so he, his mind is absolutely logical. So the thing is, uh, one of the stories goes that when he was little... He actually feared, uh, you know, like most, like many of us, he feared the darkness. But he read about it. I mean, why do I fear darkness? So once you start questioning yourself, you go like, okay, what is darkness? And he, the darkness is defined by the lack of atoms because there is no light and blah, blah, blah. Well, science stuff. Mm-hmm. The, I'm not that into science. I'm into technology. But It's just that, that photons aren't flying. Yeah, yeah that's, that, it. that's it. So... He said to himself, okay, so why am I afraid of the lack of anything? Then he just stopped being afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how his mind works. And that's how he has he been uh, doing things ever since. He just put himself, the I think it's two or three uh, goals. And what can I do to achieve these goals? He also uh, dropped out of college, I guess, because... Uh, he wanted to achieve things, but the pace that you get when you are studying in the university or, you know, the master's program, it takes a long time. So he just immersed himself in books about everything. Self, basically self-teaching. Yes. yes. Yeah, and the, what they say about college, this one's, oh, I don't know who's they, but somebody says, since mm-hmm. I heard, is uh, the pace of university is the pace for the stupidest person at the university. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes. Actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that's how I could do everything one week in ahead, if I wanted to, two weeks in ahead. Not saying that I'm smarter than anybody, 
but Jesus, there are people. Jesus were faster. There, there are people. <laughs> there are people who are for sure dumber than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it happens both ways. I mean, there are people much smarter than one, and there are people much dumber than yeah, one. Yeah, and most of us are in this normal, normal yes. curve of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, it's great. Um, how how did you get into technology, and how is this? How is the environment? In, where are you from in Peru? I'm from. Uh, it's a funny story. My my family is actually from the coast of Peru, but it's not from Lima, which is the capital. It's to uh, one hundred twenty miles, one hundred fifty miles south mm-hmm. of from a place called Chincha. Well, they are from here. I was born there, but. I lived most of my childhood in Pisco, which is uh, a place closer to the coast, uh, 30 miles south south of Chincha, and that's a place famous for uh, having these winds called Paracas, and also because of Paracas, which is a natural reserve, and the beaches and the, the food, you know, these really cool places, because my grandparents from my mother's side were living there, we ended up living there uh, on my whole childhood. Uh, at one point, my mother started teaching at a institute, and there was this summer when I was going from middle school to high school that I wasn't doing anything with my day, so my mother told me, oh, you know, there are mm, computing classes here in, in the institute that are free for any for, for anyone. So I just took those classes with a friend of mine, with with my best friend at the time, and I started liking it because, you know, the the first program I wrote was actually using uh, a flowchart. So you had different shapes for different things that a computer program would do. Like, you know, a square would be for uh, for an input. Uh, a, how do you call triangle. it? A triangle would be for taking a decision or. Uh, you know, another kind of figure would be for doing different things. And that's how you start thinking logically. Oh, you know, everything can be put in an algorithm. Like, uh, if you want to cook, you first get the ingredients, cut the ingredients, uh, do the thing, do the thing, do the thing, and that's it. You can write programs for everything. And then I used to stop thinking about it through all high school because I didn't got any programming classes there. And then I moved to the capital in Lima. Uh... And it was there that I became more interested in computers because I bought a, my family bought a new computer uh, a couple of years before I graduated, and then there were these kind of courses that you could take online, but you had to go to a real institute to take the certification, and it was really funny because I was sixteen years old at the time. And when we went there to get my, I was actually pretty shy, so I always went with my mom everywhere. I feel ashamed of that, but it's a good story to tell. Uh, we went to this, uh, the front desk to ask about my grades, and, you know, there was this guy who was really proud of himself. He looked like 35, I guess. And he was proud because he had, like, 75% of it it went well for him. So he passed the grade, he got the certification, but his grade was 75%. And then I came in, and my mom asks for my grades, and she's like, oh, is is this your name? Because, you know, my name has always been a problem there. And sometimes they get... Uh, Why is your name a problem? Because it should be John, but it's written 
June because it has a double O. You must know. In the audience, you must know that my name is J H O O N, which is uh, which is a typo actually. It's it wasn't it wasn't intended to be like that. Wait, who who made this typo? Uh, the one at the registration office. <laughs> so. So it should be John. Yes. <laughs> How did they? That's like a really heinous thing to yes <laughs> mess up your name forever is gonna be well I mean but it that, I was gonna ask you like what the what is the origin of this name <laughs> you know it's a typo it, it's it, a typo it was supposed to be John because uh, so you were supposed to be John like pronounced yes. John yes okay but it's but it's it was spelled. it was your last name though is is a that Peruvian is actually name, yes, name. it's Peruvian, kind of Spanish. Spain, okay. Yeah, from Spain. Because I was gonna ask you because that looks to me like it could be maybe Indonesian or something. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and also, I look kind of a Fili- Filipino. Yeah, the people people yeah. kind of tell me, "Oh, you're from Philippines," and because I don't have an accent when talking, mm-hmm. like a Latin American accent, right. then they cannot really tell. Yeah. That, well, you could have fooled me. I was yeah. going to ask you earlier if I forgot, but then now you're explaining it. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it, it is funny. I mean, that that uh, that's how things came to be. And then when I started working, people saw two O's and they just started calling me June. And it's like, I'm not a mom. I'm just a typo. <laughs> and then, uh, well, let's go back to the, right, to the right, story. Right. And then uh, we had the grades and I got the 100%, which was really cool. For me, yeah, no mistakes, no mistakes. So, because it was, uh, you know, it was to master Windows, Office, you know, Word, Excel that at the time were like kind of important to have certificates about it. And then looking back, uh, I saw a lot of people going out of the front desk with their uh, with some packages from Microsoft that uh, that were their uh, their studying material for the week or for the semester. And then I loved that about the that institute, and then I just decided that oh, you know, this is the institute I want to go to. It's because I just saw something. Everything's, a lot of things are visual for me. So if if um, if I see something that attracts me, I just go for it, and then um, and then well, that's how I started getting into that institute, and then my career started there, and that's how I got into technology, actually. Wow. So. This institute in Peru, it's been around for... It's been around for uh, ever since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So it's really old. But it's one of the one of the good institutes is called CiverTech. But uh, right now, I think it's one, one, one average institute because now they're a lot more and they're a lot better than that one. So, but I learned the basics, which is the important part. And then, you know, in technology, if you don't keep yourself up with... The new technology is take off. Yeah, it's going to take off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Peru is, would you say it's a good environment for, for tech? Mm, well, depends. Maybe the basics, as you yeah. said. Yeah. For the basics, it's okay, but we are lacking a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, mainly, uh, not that many people are interested on uh, learning English, mm-hmm. so which is the main language for technology, mm-hmm. at least around the world. Yeah. Uh, and, but... The few people that actually get around it, they get really nice jobs, and I'm not really that much of a of a student. I just like learning things, but I don't know. I I do that in such an inconsistent pace that 
I don't really know if I'm really good at it or if I'm really good at something, I'm lacking something basic uh, that I should have learned when I started, but you know, that that's how I go around things, I just learn something, yeah, I just learn something, I need to do X things, okay, so what do I need to do that? I take whatever pieces of information I get and it's working, okay, it's not working the correct, the perfectly correct way, but it's working and I leave it like that and then I get into something else. But some people just go around reading and reading and reading and reading before starting and we take about the same time, so I so think you're goal myself, oriented. As yeah. long as you achieve the goal, whatever, yeah. Whatever's back here, maybe yeah. that was extra. Yeah, I mean, I okay. So this is not related. I leave it out. I leave it out. It's um, I also get bored really fast. So that's that's how we get around things. Just learning, 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 but not really. And I forget really fast. <laughs> okay. Well, as, as long as you get your goals accomplished, I guess that's all that matters. Yeah. I, I learned that results uh, re results are more important than knowing yeah. things. Because if you know a bunch of things and you don't execute, what's yeah, the point, really? What's the point, really? Yeah. Yeah. So the most people, like, academia is really big on this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, you know all these things. Like this, when I, I studied international relations and, and military history. Mm -hmm. And... Um, what I the biggest problem I had with kids learning political science is that it's not real. You oh. you're in this you're in this bubble, <laughs> and you're you're learning about liberalism and game theory and this and that. And it's all theories, mm -hmm. but you're not putting that into any practice. And if they put it if they put you into practice, you would d blow up the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're teaching these things it's all it's so it, you can you can say anything yeah it's all ordinary you, you can say that you can say that we can use a i don't know if you know uh, much about game theory in the area of of political science but they they try to make like an equation or an algorithm oh. for should we do something about Saddam Hussein or not? Let's put it into this equation and we'll make a decision. What? <laughs> that doesn't work. The world doesn't work it's that way. It's not like that. People aren't this aren't the, aren't numbers. You know, they're just they. But they try to do that. And what scared me a lot was my final year of of learning international relations was that this analytical way of 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 making decisions is how the National Security Council and the National Security System of the United States works. Why? So they make these reports, they have all these charts and things, and they take it to the president and go, hey, these are our results. We should, we should put sanctions on Iran, or oh. we should go do this to Iran. And he's like, I don't know shit. So you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, do you take care of it. So. <laughs> yeah. so, and that's so scary to me. But yeah, so yeah. You, you are the more practical uh I would I would argue more effective way of doing things, or just, just to yeah. learn, actually learn what you're doing instead of learning things on paper and making these charts and everything to prove that mm -hmm. maybe this is the point. Because at the end of the day, it's just these symbols that people put onto a piece yeah. of paper and they try to prove something. <laughs> that's like you said, you're not into the science and whatever you're in the technology, you're in the mm -hmm. uh, doing. That's what technology yeah. is. Mm -hmm. A lot of science is just yeah. Whoa, what do we think? We're gonna write this eighty-page report that nobody can understand. Just the five of us can understand it. Oh, I mean, uh, it's really good that also a lot of people think of computers like the everyday uh, gadget that you can use. But if you think it down to the level where you know that the processor, what it's doing is just running electrons in and out or just changing currents, and 
doing a lot of things that are behind just a single stroke of the keyboard people will just blow their minds it's it's really a lot that you have to grasp if you want if, if you want to get to the to the smallest thing that you're using so that's what it's doing right this computer it, it how much do you know about the, the hardware itself uh just ask me because yeah, I, I, I don't know how all these if you open this up and there's these like lines and things I don't is it just how does that work okay <laughs> can you explain like real briefly how that works because I've seen the inside of a computer it's just this like green board with mm -hmm. all these lines and, and what is what's going okay, on okay so every every single uh, most uh, well no every single electronic device has actually a, a board mm -hmm. where all the circuitry is laid out so what a computer does, it has a central processing unit, which is a CPU, right. where everything goes through it. Let's say uh, all zeros and ones go there and get processed. At a low level, it's just changing the polarity of of some things because I don't even know the specifics. But so what you do like is magnets, like the the direction that yeah. they're, they're pointing. Yeah. So let's say you want you want to make an A appear on your screen. So you uh, you strike the, the A on your keyboard and that sends a signal, an electronic signal, to the controller of the keyboard, which is one part of the of that board. That controller sends the signal to the processing unit and that processing unit says, okay, so what's happening here? Uh, we need an A, which is uh, 8 bits, which is, uh, an A is like 0, 0, 1, 0, 0, it's a signal that signal gets interpreted and the the CPU has to decide where it has to go so it gets sent to the processing unit of the well the driver for the screen for the display and then it sends okay so you have this screen and in these pixels you have to draw these things and then the A gets sent all the way back there so you see it on the screen and that happens in milliseconds less than that's that. why you can type really fast yeah that's insane <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, and no, it's a lot I, of yeah, nobody thinks about that day to day i don't even think you think about that day no to day, no but that's I, just, I don't even do but that. it's incredible that that's how it works who figured that out well uh charles but if you go to the computer history museum you're gonna see that charles where, Babbage. where is there a computer history museum it's down in mountain view it's actually no right way. beside uh the googleplex I didn't get to visit next time. I'll go. Yeah, down there. you you have to go there. They actually have one of the oldest uh one of the well, the oldest computer ever invented. Uh was this down, from like down the forties or something? Or? No, not even forties. That was from the eighteen hundreds. What? <laughs> yes. By who? Uh that's Charles Babbage. Uh -huh. That's the well, the father of computing. Who is where is he from? What's the... uh I don't remember. I don't recall it. I don't you're have not a whole, history student. Not, not a history student. I'm the yeah. history student. I yes. should look that up. But that's incredible. That's that they have that. Yeah, and and it's really cool. I mean, uh, they say, uh, well, those guys that actually because they turn them on, and you can see if they if you know binary, they start turning uh, turning things, mm -hmm. and some things start counting. So you can do basic calculations on there. So it's just like a giant calculator, it's a two-tone calculator just to make a sum that you could you could do it in your head really quickly but it takes like okay you input here one and zero which is for one and then uh, you input a, one, a zero and a one and 
then you start summing and mechanically it will come up with a sum and a friend of mine told me that the guys that make this uh, this computer work actually they say there's always a master and an apprentice and if one of them leaves the leaves you know the museum there's always the oldest one is going to be the master and then an apprentice that's a reference to uh, to the dark side on, on Star Wars <laughs> which is kind of cool I mean there's only two people here that yeah. know this that's crazy. I gotta go visit. So Charles Babbage is from uh, he's, he's from London, well, uh -huh. and uh, I guess he built this computer when, in London. Uh, yeah. So the model, the so the model is really old. Yeah. And the one computer that they have there has only two changes to make it work in the modern world. So it's really kind of it's really really amazing that this guy came up with a design that could even withstand time. And only the only changes they made was so it can be easier to handle, mm -hmm. because that, that that thing actually required a person really <laughs> with a really really strong person to to, to crank it. Yeah, to crank it. Oh, that's crazy. So have it, you, it was you, actually brain power. Have mm -hmm. you seen the uh, imitation game? Yeah, 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 of course. So that reminds me of this computer that Alan Turing. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of like that computer. Parkour. Yes. Yeah, that's. Whoa, that blows my mind. Mm -hmm. That movie. Do you that's, think now that's we how, could do that's that? That's how computers like, were. With our computers, it would it be easier to break the code? You know, the uh, your cell phone has more than a million times the power that took the man to the moon. Because <laughs> the computer that took the man to the moon was like a 64 kilobyte computer. What? Yes. <laughs> so what were they working with at Bletchley Park uh, and during the... When they're breaking the the, the code, and uh, I don't know that Cassini. That's even older. Yeah, than, that's, that's like even twenty older. years older yeah. than the. That's yeah, that's, that's and processing power is exponential, right? Cause yes. Every year, uh, there's this. Uh, the Moore's law says that uh, every year the the, the um the quantity of uh, what is it called? Processing power. No. Yeah. Well, it's the processing power, but. Uh, it's the price point. Uh, is yeah, not not only a price point, but inside every chip, inside every processor, there are a lot of oh transistors inside of every every chip, mm -hmm. will double the size every single year. So within the same space, yes. you can process mm -hmm. double. It should yeah. be. And then so the idea is like something of this size, um, at the same the it'll. How am I how am I trying to explain this? It'll be cheaper to buy the next one so it, it'll double but it'll be the same yeah price it, it will the same price so as, let's as say this can. iPhone has I don't know how many what are the quantities of, of this processing power like five processing power okay. next year yeah. for the same price you can buy for ten yes ten processing mm -hmm. powers I'm such a caveman and I don't understand any of these <laughs> oh, things it doesn't matter I mean uh, actually Moore's law is getting um, is getting broken it's not gonna be is it slowing down yeah it's slowing down because there has there's to be there's so limit. there's so many there's so many transistors in one chip that you cannot do that anymore. Yeah. Like and how 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 tiny can you make it? You yeah, know? it's it's in nanometers. Oh, micrometers. It's I I don't know even the size. It's just like micrometron. It has a really weird name. Do they use lasers to do this? Uh, or or even smaller things. I don't know. Maybe smaller ultrasound. Whatever. Oh <laughs> I I don't know. I I just came up with that. <laughs> but right. yeah, it may be lasers. All right. Anyway, yeah, we're coming up on our time, but that was uh, 
amazing overview of all the technological things happening in the world today. Yeah. Um, and I don't usually have software people mm-hmm. and tech people on the podcast, but this was a great podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> thanks cool. for being on. No, thanks to you for having me. <laughs>